This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 84th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our trailer roundup featuring the new trailer for Top Gun Maverick. And then we have our episode recap for Marvel's Moon Knight. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 84th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy Doody, episode 84 of the Drive-In Podcast is here. Shout out Joey Galloway. I'm, this is Dr. O on the horn. Antonio Brown. No, no, Ricky. No. As I was saying, this is Dr. O on the horn. I'm joined by Ricky Flicks. Ricky Flicks, I was never going to say Antonio Brown after what he has done to us as Steelers fans. Yes, there were some, some good years. The highs were highs, but the lows were lows. But with that being said, Ricky Flicks, how are you doing this evening? How was your weekend? I had a great weekend, Doc. I had a great weekend in uh, New York City. And on my way back from New York City, it's uh, around like six o'clock, seven o'clock at night. Uh, it took a couple hours and a half, two hours and a half to get home. And my plan is to go see Morbius at 930. I'll go straight there, go see Morbius. Now, we get a text from you when I'm on the road. The text reads, I got to pull it up. The text reads, Ricky, it's bad. Like really bad. I'm not sure if you should go see it. Who sent that? None other than Dr. Rowe himself. He sent me that when I'm on my way, technically, to go see the movie. Did I go see it after that recommendation after a long weekend in New York City? I did not. I did not go see Morbius. So, Dr. O, please tell me why I made the right decision to not see this movie. Ricky. Upon seeing Morbius, the hashtag Morbius Sweet movement is in full effect on Twitter right now. They need to kill the Sony Marvel universe. It needs to be done. They, they can't have another movie. It's over. So no, no Andrew Garfield coming into the save the day here. Nope. That's a, that's a disservice to have to, to subject Andrew Garfield to play around in this universe, especially after his uh, stellar performance in no way home. It's, it would be criminal if you had Tom Holland be thrown into this universe after seeing this movie, it'd be criminal to introduce miles Morales into the Sony Marvel universe. After seeing this, this, we thought the DCEU had problems there's no way they have more problems in the Sony universe here. It needs to die. We're three movies in. We have no idea who Spider-Man is in a movie, in a universe that is completely centered around Spider-Man. Not only that, but this is, this is the movie that is causing people to question whether superhero movies are going to last. This is the type of movie that has people shaking their head at the superhero movie industry. People shake their head. They with the Marvel banner on Morbius, 
This movie was a complete cash grab. Complete cash grab. And not only that, as I said before, you felt like there was almost zero to no connection with Spider-Man other than the fact you had the Daily Bugle on the headlines for newspapers. And you have Morbius calling himself Venom once. You barely felt a connection to the Venom universe. And not only that, you have, you are dragging in an iconic Marvel Cinematic Universe villain for a pointless post-credit teaser that makes no sense, that is clearly trying to set up a universe that they don't have a vision for. This universe is worthless. Critically panned through all three movies. People make excuses to like these movies because they enjoy reading these characters in the comic books. They love Tom Hardy. There's a cult-level fandom for Jared Leto. They should have, this movie should have never been released. Never. Everything that was teased in these trailers with Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes, those scenes are not prevalent in the movie. The Spider-Man, the, the murderer poster in the trailer, there is no mention of Spider-Man until the very end of this trailer, of this movie, excuse me, and it makes zero sense. This movie was so bad, the director was exposing the post credit scene before the movie came out. This is an embarrassment. The CGI was god-awful. Talk about also the cash grab. The, the, vi- the violence in this, scene was, in this movie was non-existent about a vampire who brutally injures and murders people in the comic books and does so in this movie, but you don't see it. There is no blood in this movie about vampires. The action sequence, as I said with the CGI, you can't even see him hit people. It's so blurry. It's terrible. The best parts are the slow-mo, and it's basically a still. It's like a photograph taken. There is no good aspect to this movie except for maybe Matt Smith, and he doesn't even, and his best scene doesn't even fit in tonally with the rest of this movie. I did you. I am jealous, Ricky Flicks, that you did not have to subject yourself to watching this movie. This is the exact reason why people rip on superhero movies, movies like this. And the, the, feet to, the gall to include a Marvel Cinematic Universe character at the post credit scene here, Kevin Feige must be throwing a fit. It was embarrassing, Ricky Flex. I could go on for days, but I think I did you a favor. Okay, so I'm going to play the role as Dr. O and kind of moderate this discussion because I have questions. Because I don't think I'm going to see this movie um, okay. after that. It is uh, bad. i score at the end. It is so bad. I will see this movie when it's on streaming or whatever. But I don't think I'm going to pay to see it because of what you're saying. So I think I have to ask some questions here. So Michael Keaton, is he even in the movie? I'm just going to spoil it. I don't care. Right? Yeah. So if you want to skip ahead 10 seconds, whatever. He's in strictly the post-credits. Both post-credits. Okay. That's it. Okay. Now, next question. Matt Smith, I saw a lot of hate online for him. You said you thought he was pretty good. There is a scene where he's kind of going for it. It tries to fit like the vibe and the tempo of like Venom, Let There Be Carnage, a little bit of zaniness, wackiness to it. He's really feeling himself in that scene. But that scene that I'm talking about, he's kind of like dancing a little bit, getting into that villainous type of uh, mood. I feel like it could have worked if it had the same tone as Venom Let There Be Carnage. And it was the only sense of like soul in, uh, in this movie. Jared Leto doesn't really go for it in this movie. He's very average. He's very plain compared to the roles that we've seen him in previously. All, obviously not very beloved, but at least like Matt Smith has given you something. He's trying. And I think the dynamic between him and Jared Leto's character actually could have worked. 
but ultimately fell flat based on some lazy writing too. It's interesting because Matt, uh, Matt Smith and last night in Soho, I didn't particularly love, I did not, like, I didn't hate, but I didn't love particularly was the writing of the character and the, that demise of the character, I guess. But um, it's interesting to hear. Now, something that I haven't seen anything online about is I, in my opinion, one of the most underrated actors living today. And that's Jared Harris. Okay. He's Chernobyl's uh, st- uh, lead. If people don't know, he's also, um, what else is he in? Uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes, Moriarty. Yes. So Great villain. Jared Harris, I think one of the most underrated actors alive. Thoughts. He was fine. Now that you brought that up, I like, I enjoy Jared Harris. Him and Chernobyl's fantastic. I love him. As I said, like I said, in, uh, as Moriarty in the Sherlock Holmes uh, film starring Robert Downey Jr. I think he was fine. He wasn't a standout. Didn't have the screen time like Matt Smith did or Jared Leto did. Obviously you got the main antagonist. Then you have the, the actual hero, right? The name of the movie Morbius. So I do think he was probably second in line behind Matt Smith, although you can kind of find them interchangeable, to be honest. It's not like there were any, there were any standout performances here. Okay. Any more you, questions? Mentioned, you mentioned Leto. And then my final question is, <laughs> is, is this the height of cinema? As Martin Scorsese allegedly said, and Tyrese got fooled by it. Yo, yo, honestly, I was so <laughs> saddened by the way they handled Tyrese Gibson in this movie. And like Tyrese Gibson, first of all, is an idiot. <laughs> he is so dumb to think that, that Martin bad. Scorsese actually said that about his movie. It's just <laughs> like, how could you be on the internet in general, like Tyrese Gibson has, and been like so dumb regarding these universes and how they're like viewed by the general public and see Martin Scorsese saying this is the height of cinema dude Tyrese Gibson like what he's known for is like this charismatic role best known for is this charismatic role in Fast and Furious he has resorted to just a straight arrow cop in this movie there is nothing special to his character he initially as promised earlier on with the promotion of this movie like nearly a year or two ago he had a bionic arm and like the trailer and he teased it. He said, you're going to be amazed by what you see. Guess what? We didn't see it. This movie, total cash grab, doesn't actually fulfill the expectations of the audiences. No mention of Spider-Man. None. This is a Spider-Man villain. He doesn't, he doesn't matter except for Spider-Man. And we're three movies in and no one cares about Spider-Man here. Why do we care? Why do we want to keep seeing this movie? Are we about to see a Craven the Hunter movie and a Madam Web movie without Spider-Man? And no it way, like- no way Tom Holland will be okay with appearing in these movies after what he's gone through with the MCU, right? Oh. And how it's catap- catapulted his career into a stratosphere, probably better than any other young actor in Hollywood in terms of action star. There's no way he wants to be associated with that. And that's coming from the guy who just started Uncharted. I was about to say, he's in Uncharted. Isn't Cherry like he's been in some uh, bad movies? So stinkers. Um, oh, but Spider Man is Spider Man. You know, it's his. That's his baby. It seemed like this was gonna be bad. Seven delays. I know COVID had an effect on that. But even before COVID, when you heard heard Jared Leto playing Michael Morbius, you thought that was perfect. The comic books. He looks like he looks the part. His highs are as high as any actor when he's on his game. Doesn't sound like he was on his game in this one. I will not be going to the theater to see it. That's unfortunate. I love Jared Leto, but this is tough. Dude, this is tough Leto, to hear. Jared Leto peaked in 2014. 
That's it. He peaked. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Like like everything post post Dallas Buyers Club has been very polarizing or bad. His Joker rendition mostly regarded as bad. He just won a Razzie for House of Gucci. Actually, I actually liked him in House of Gucci. All right, he just won a Razzie for that very polarizing performance. He, he has not been in anything that has been uh, viewed by the general population as good since Dallas Buyers Club. He's just a big name right now, and it feels like every time he's in a movie, that movie under-delivers. It disappoints audiences every single time. Can we, like, are you trying to pull up his filmography right now? I hear you clicking in the background. Yeah, so I'm looking up his future projects here, and he has allegedly Tron 3. Yeah, but he has, a Darren, Aronofsky, he has a Darren Aronofsky film coming up that he's this- starring in. Not so he's so it, this is after the whale with Frazier. Yeah, or Frazier. This is that that could be a comeback. That could be a comeback. Darren Aronofsky is an unbelievable director. And Jared horror, Leto d- needs that a could comeback. be an, that could be an element to him to get back in his groove. He won't get an Oscar nomination for this. Most likely a horror movie that's on a ship, a fishing boat that discovers an abandoned yacht with a strange distress call. A deckhand agrees to take loan control of it while it's towed in port into the port. But soon he discovers why it is called a ghost ship. Very freaky. Jared Leto sounds freaky. This does sound like a corny movie, but Noski's writing it and directing it. That means it's going to be a freaking like it's going to be good at the minimum. So could be a comeback here. The stick is Not up. Gonna... No one believes in Jared Leto. I, I I can't I can't put my faith in him anymore. I'm done with this. He is now tanked. Uh, maybe the most now one of the most famous now critically bashed Marvel movies and maybe the most famously critically bashed DC movie. He is, you can't trust him in blockbuster movies. You just can't. You think Tron three is going to be good. I don't, I don't think anyone does. The little things. Remember the little things last year. He got nominated for freaking golden globe for that performance. But Ricky, I did want to bring up something else regarding Marvel and Sony to get off Jared Leto for a sec. Is that okay? We'll say we crashed the drama series on Apple, not doing bad review wise. What's it at? Well, uh, 7.9 out of 10 for episode okay, one and good. 7.4 out of 10 for episode two. And this is about Adam Newman. We work like that's pretty good and next to Anne Hathaway. But yes, go on. I need to say something about Sony and Marvel and their relationship. And I, I've been thinking hard about this. This is a one-way relationship. It feels like Sony is being absolutely friend zoned by Kevin Feige in the MCU. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. They are just in the friend zone. Tom Holland lent by Sony to the MCU, garnering all the success, has the mind of Kevin Feige at work. And then what are they getting in return? They don't even get to use their own character with Tom Holland. They are dealing with the ramifications of Dr. Strange's spell. We have Tom Hardy who goes his chance in the MCU is gone in a blip from the post-credit scene of No Way Home. This is a completely one-way relationship. It's like, it's like you have this person, like this, let's say this is a relationship and Marvel is seeing Sony. Marvel does not want to bring Sony home to meet the parents. They want to keep them away. There's no way they want to be seen in public together. They're not going to go Instagram official. There is no way. Kevin Feige wants to keep them at a distance. It's fun to hang out on the weekends. Right, we'll get we'll go to McDonald's, get some fast food together, but I'm not taking you to a steak dinner. I'm not lending you Doctor Strange into this Sony universe. I'm not ingratiating Venom, Carnage, Morbius into the MCU. This is a one-way street. Accept it, accept it for what it is. 
And it feels like Sony's at the complete, um, is on their knees and is at the complete will of Kevin Feige. This, it seems like the entire Morbius movie got switched around because of No Way Home. So the Colin Coward segment's over. And uh, is that not accurate? I think it's accurate. And it just, hey, we reminisce on the time when we thought, hey, is Sony and Marvel MCU going to break up here? And Tom Holland's going to be with these characters, like the Sony characters. Remember that? Like that was happen. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not going to happen officially. I don't think it's ever going to happen, Ricky. You don't get it. I don't think Tom Holland will ever be here, neither will Andrew Garfield. I think this universe has more chance, has a stronger chance of having a new Spider-Man or just straight up ending before Tom Holland joins this. It's tough. It's tough. Craven the Hunter, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Russell Crowe. That's not going to get me. That's no, no. I'm saying it's tough for this like universe. If that doesn't work out, Madam Web Dakota Johnson doesn't work out. Then they should like they should not add any movies. They should see how those do. You're saying to cancel it. You can't just cancel these productions. They got to finish them out, and then once they're done, then evaluate. Hand them over to Marvel. With what? Like At the characters. Use- All those characters. Give them to Kevin Feige. That's it. I don't trust them. Keep the animated stuff. You're doing, you did great with Into the Spider-Verse. I'm not sold they're going to slay it with Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. I hope so. If they yeah, just let Phil, Phil, Lord, Phil Lord and Chris Miller do their thing. They'll cook. They'll let them cook. And it's something, something so disassociated with the MCU that they're going to do their thing. But everything live action, give it to Kevin Feige. Let him split the money. They know how to do movies. Movies like the one we, I just saw with Morbius is the reason why people criticize superhero movies. And how they're just a cash grab and they're not cinema. That's exactly what it is, what it was. And it didn't come close to Venom, let there be carnage. Only 39 million at the box office opening weekend. So it's not like it killed it. It it did well. I will say it did well for an April release coming off of the Batman, right? Like it did pretty well, but still not what you want to see for a superhero movie. Not with Jared Leto leading it. Not what you want to see. But hey, 39 million, that's still like, not going to be like, oh, let's not make these movies anymore. One the That's, weekend. It's it's more saying, no, we're going to keep making these movies. So I see what you're saying. I just don't see that actually happening. It, it was just so plagued by Spider-Man No Way Home, clearly. It was edited poorly, too. It was just clear that they don't have a vision beyond it, and they weren't expecting Spider-Man No Way Home to um, not, not perform the way it did, but in terms of like the rewriting of it, in terms of what was in store, they were kind of like, it was more of like, Mar- it was benefiting the Marvel Cinematic Universe and making sure it could have the, the right continuity when it comes to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, because famously Doctor Strange was supposed to initially come out before Spider-Man No Way Home. So now it feels like the Sony Universe is just responding in a way that it just wasn't beneficial for them at all. So in my opinion, they, sh- they, sh- it, it they weren't going to scrap it they had to release it and it had a note uh, has the Marvel banner on it. It's going to make money, but people are just going to rip on it. Like I just did. So I'm, I'm, I apologize for starting off the podcast like this, but Mormius was awful. I hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Do not um, recommend. Do not 16 out of a hundred for me. 16, 16 out of a hundred. That might be the lowest rated movie in the history of the podcast reviews that I've had. All right. I think so. So uh, other than that, let's jump, jump away from Morbius. I want to hear about what you've been watching, Ricky Flex. What have you been, uh, any TV you've been catching up with or movies that you've uh, checked out? 
Uh, well, this is a tough question because what I've been checking out is kind of related to the checkup and trailers. Ooh. Um, I don't know if I want to give away anything, but I guess like winning time. I yes, last episode, time. the last episode of winning time on Sunday was pretty damn good. The last two have been heat, Ricky. The last like, two have been heat. And it's because we're getting into the basketball. They're showing us the alley-oops. They're showing us the Magic Johnson passing, the Kareem struggles in that relationship. They're showing us this team. We're done with the building of this team. That was like, quote-unquote, boring. Now we're actually on the court. We're moving. We got crazy stuff happening. We got Laker girls. We got the forum popping. Things are, like, moving now. I think it's getting into gear. And we're really like, we're going into full speed about to like the season just started in 1979, 80, the season just started for the Lakers. We're about to go full speed into the season with maybe a new coach, which like spoiler, like it's based off real life. Yes. There's going to be a new coach, but based on which episode you got to check this series out. If you're a basketball fan, if you're not a basketball fan, but you love just good TV, like this is the definition of just good, fun entertainment here. Like it is. The show is starting to find its groove, Ricky Flex. Yes. Like the first find its couple, groove is a good way to put it. The first like groove groove emphasized here. The first couple episodes, you might have been distracted by the style it had, but now you see why that certain style was being um was coming was uh being presented in the first place by Adam McKay. You got the Lakers girls dancing, right? You got like Magic Johnson now taking control of the Lakers. Pat Riley starting to find himself like in this show, and then you have. The Paula Abdul cameos coming in. Kobe Bryant mentions. You see, like, this has a lot of star power. That's not the actual stars in the show. It has you excited to see every week, like, oh, what's going to pop up next, right? When is Pat Riley going to start slicking back his hair? When is Magic Johnson going to be, when is, I mean, when's the playoff push going to end up happening? Kareem, I was waiting on this episode. I was kept teasing it, teasing it for weeks upon weeks. When's his solo episode going to come? It didn't disappoint right? Give you a, a great insight on the character that we hadn't seen through the first, what, four episodes. And I think the guy who plays magic, Quincy Isaiah is a beast. I think he's, he's awesome. Really good. Really, he's really, really good. good. Doctor, right? He's doc. He's a doctor. doctor I don't think so. Quincy you yet. always say that, but I don't think he's a doctor. One of them is. I don't know. You double check that. I don't think he's a, uh, I don't think he's a doctor. Dr. Quincy Isaiah. He looks like he's like my age, maybe younger. Ricky's looking. Give me a second here. There's no way he's a doctor. There is. One of them is, I swear. Well, the guy one of the plays, cast members is. It, the guy who plays Kareem, it makes sense if he was a doctor based Maybe on he Kareem's is. education. Solomon Hughes is his name if you're trying to look it up. But um, I love this show. And uh, it's, it's, I, I showed it to some of my buddies a couple nights, a couple like nights ago over, I, I think it was two weekends ago. And they didn't like the first episode because it was late at night. It's like one in the morning and like, you get like, it's a little much when you're trying to um, take in that first episode and you're not fully in it. And you think it might be a little distracting. You think it might be a tad annoying, but after those first two episodes, you, when that hits that groove, right. It makes you excited for every Sunday when it pops on. Uh, good. Yeah. It is Kareem, Dr. Solomon Hughes, lecturer at Stanford, oh, visiting the instructor at Duke. So there is a doctor in the show, an actor that is a doctor. There is Got a doctor wrong. in the house. There is a doctor in the house. But I always love like hearing about Kareem because feel, I feel like he has never gotten the shine that he deserved as a player, as a as like we love the Lakers and we love the history of the Lakers, like our, our dad's basement 
right? We got Magic Johnson poster on Ricky's background right there. But our dad's basement has a whole like wall and a half devoted to the 80s Lakers. So like seeing him and like him six-time MVP, six-time NBA champion, all-time point score, and never really being mentioned as the greatest basketball player of all time, it's great to see him get his shine here and show how good he was at that time when Magic joined the team. Because Magic seems to get all the love. Yeah, of course, the charismatic character, you know. Magic. And uh, I know we both have been watching Moon Knight as well. We're going to get to that with the recap this week. But anything else you want to mention before we hit the checkup, Ricky? No, no, no. I think I think that pretty much sums up a good week in television, bad week in movies. Morbius and then Winning Time and Moon Knight. That's like, you know, parallel opposites. All right. Uh, with that being said, let's get to the uh, checkup this week, Express Style. Will Smith has resigned his Academy membership. Smith said, quote, I want to put the focus back on those who deserve attention for their achievements and allow the Academy to get back to the incredible work it does to to support creativity and artistry in film, end quote. In related news, Netflix has backed away from developing Fast and Loose, starring Will Smith. Director David Leach dropped out of the director's chair before the Oscars this year, so Netflix sent an urgent call to find a new director, but have put the project on the back burner following the Academy Awards to pile on. Will Smith received 40 pages of the script for Bad Boys 4 before the Oscars incident, and now the film has been put on pause. Dang, Will Smith. Next, The Crow reboot is back in the works with director Rupert Sanders and Bill Sarsgaard attached to star. Next, Kiki Palmer has been cast alongside Bill Murray and Seth Rogen in in Aziz Ansari's directorial debut, Being Mortal. Next, Gary Oldman has been cast in Oppenheimer from Christopher Nolan alongside the rest of mankind. Next, Samuel L. Jackson and Uma Thurman are set to reignite for In the Kill Room. Oh, excuse me, for The Kill Room. The film follows a hitman, his boss, an art dealer, and a money laundering scheme that accidentally turns the assassin into an overnight sensation. Next, on to some retirees. Jim Carrey says he is retiring from acting. He said, quote, I am being fairly serious, end quote. Uh, he also said, quote, I might continue down the road, but I'm taking a break, end quote. To continue, another legend, Bruce Willis is retiring from, a- from acting. He's been diagnosed with asphasia, a language disorder caused by brain damage that affects a person's ability to communicate. Damn. Next, Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson have been cast in Project Artemis, with Jason Bateman set to direct. Whoa, Apple TV is paying $100 million plus for the film. Plot details are unknown, except that it will be set against the space race. Ooh, historical. Next, the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi will now release on May 27th. This is the same release date as Stranger Things Season 4. Next, Spy Kids reboot is in the works at Netflix. Robert Rodriguez will return to direct. Let's go. Next, Sharon Stone is in talks to play the villain Victoria Cord in Blue Beetle, the DC film. Next. More TV news. House of the Dragon and The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, both will premiere within two weeks of each other. Did someone say rivalry? Uh, House of the Dragon will premiere August 21st on HBO. Lastly, more TV and it prequel series. Welcome to Derry is in early works at HBO Max. The series would likely explore the origin of Pennywise the Clown, as well as the dawn of the 27-year curse that haunts the small main town. That's going to do it for the checkup this week. Express style. Ricky Flex. Give me a headline to start with.
Will Smith will still be at the 2023 Oscars. We got to talk about this. We got to talk about this, Ricky. He still will be there. You will not back down from this take, Ricky. You will not back down from it. Guys, This the only thing this means is that he will not be able to vote in future Oscars. That's it. Ricky, he's, now, being, he's not even starring slap, in his own films. <laughs> so let me finish. This right, slap, sorry. yes, this slap forced that resignation. Yes, this slap is making the, his projects go on the back burner or po- possibly canceled, not just postponed, canceled. Yes, there's plenty of people in the Academy that were former actors that are retired, okay? That go on stage and present awards or go on stage and talk about something. And the Oscars, hey, when we talked about a 50% increase in viewership and audience this year, guess what? It was still the second lowest Oscars of all time compared to last year. So they need viewers. Will Smith coming back. They have to do it. They cannot not do it. They have to do it. Ricky, I, he, this is a PR move. He was going to get suspended or expelled from the Academy. That's why he did it. And if you get expelled from the Academy, you think they're going to have him present at the award? But he won't be. They he just won they Best would, Actor. They would have suspended him if he didn't resign. It was, a, it was to save face. Yeah, and I think it's going to work. Uh, time, time heals. But not next year. There's no way he's coming back next year to do it. Maybe a couple years from now, you got to let it breathe. And when he steps on. A year to breathe. When you he steps to- on, like you, I know, I knew, I know your marketing mind, Ricky Flex. You're thinking about the money possibilities, the viewership. You talk about like, the, okay, what would happen? They have to be, do it. showed up again. Yes, I get it. It's a, you got, you got dollar signs popping off right in front of the Academy's face. But. But it also is a black mark on the history of the awards. The most disappointing and horrendous moment in its history. Yes, it got them a lot of viewers. It may have saved them for next year's show. But it's a black mark. It is a terrible moment in its history. Just like, if, like what's his face? Warren Beatty makes the uh, announcement mistake, right? At the Oscars or Moonlight in La La Land. They didn't have him present Best Picture the next year. Yeah, but... I know it's not the same because that's not the same because best actor, the winner of best actor presents the next year's best actress, just like the best actress this year will present next year's best actor. I'm just, I know, you know, that doctor just saying that for clarification for some of the audience that doesn't know that. Get a legend, get Pacino, get the Nero. Look how Anthony Hopkins did this year. He didn't exactly do a great job. No, he was under a tough spot. He was under a tough spot. (laughs) You're just coming off the Will Smith. Well, Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner was able to present Best Director, and that was the next award. Let's just have Kevin Costner ho- ho- like host next year. <laughs> the show will be no less than nine hours. Yeah, but I would still watch every second. I would listen to every single Western uh, stories ever had. Ricky, like I was like crying laughing <laughs> when you were sending that tweet because we put out that video that said Will Will Smith returned to the Oscars next year in 2023 and then the news broke that he had resigned from the academy ricky flicks jumped on to like the, the uh, on twitter quote tweeted us announcing that will smith has resigned and he said doesn't mean he won't show up for the 2023 oscars and i was just like this this man will not give up he is so committed to his take and i knew i was gonna have to address this on the podcast and i was just like this guy is a nut nutcase not to the extent of will smith but to the extent he refuses to be wrong, refuses. Well, I respect it. Hey, Chris Rock will be there. 
I'm more confident in that take. Chris Rock yeah, will present yeah, the award. Yeah, or I, host it. I'm more confident <laughs> saying Chris Rock will host the awards. I'm, I'm on board with that. I think that's a great idea. And I'm excited to see, like, as we said before, like Chris Rock, now he's picking up steam with his comedy shows. Yes. There's going to be some, there's got to be a live one that he's going to record. He's going to pop on a streaming service. It's going to be must watch streaming. Might be one of the most streamed events of all time. <laughs> Netflix, they're down in the dumps right now. Pick up a Chris Rock special. Just talk about the Oscars. Um, really quickly, I want to move on. I want to move on from Chris Rock. I know people had enough of it. Like Gary Oldman being cast in Oppenheimer is perfect. Um, I know the cast grows day by day and uh, I get it. It's not a big deal. When someone joins this cast, it feels like you could add like Leonardo DiCaprio and it wouldn't be a big deal at this point. You know, it's just like, it's like that, that it's that extensive and that star studded, but it, it's kind of interesting. You have Gary Oldman back in a world war II setting after he just won the Oscar for playing Winston Churchill in darkest hour. I just thought that was fascinating. It'd be hilarious if he just played the same role again. Yeah. Then, if he does that, then what I'm about to say, I take it back. But yes, we've been getting like every day we get a new famous person in this movie, right? But commonality between all these famous people in this movie, none of them have an Oscar, rarely nominated. If he, Group if Oscar. Gary Oman, if Gary Oman has a major role in this, and it's not a role he's previously played, a la Winston Churchill. It doesn't matter that this is a summer blockbuster that puts this on the Oscar map for the for the, uh, the following year. It doesn't matter if there's he has two, if Gary two stars if, if, it, it, right, but if Gary Oldman, obviously someone the Academy loves, and he has a supporting role, like a major supporting role in this to Killian Murphy, then by God, this is an Oscar contender. Do you think someone's going to be playing like Einstein in this cast? I know he wasn't directly involved with the bomb, but he like was arriving from what. Uh, from Alden, like, he was coming. To, go ahead, sorry. Well, if I had to pick someone, I'd pick Alden Ehrenreich. Just a bunch of makeup probably. on. Yeah, or or Benny Safdie. Benny Safdie's good. Like I know he was like he was around. He wasn't directly helping the bomb, but one of these guys got to be playing Einstein, right? Jack Quaid seems too. Eh, I don't know. Not. And he was coming yeah. over from Europe during World War II. Fugitive. U.S. was hiding him. I feel like there's got to be an Einstein biopic somewhere down the line. I think Benny Safdie should play him. I think that's gold. That's a good one. I will say Peter Sellers in uh, Return of the Pink Panther did look exactly like Einstein. Oh, so. he nailed that. He so, was so um, good in that. I'm trying to think of more people that look like Einstein. But that's top Christopher Lloyd. I don't know. Ah. Uh. All right. Well, I also like, I know we're going to, I'm sure we'll get another casting in next week's checkup. Uh, we also called that house of the dragon, the Lord of the Rings, little gamesmanship going on from HBO releasing house of the dragon within two weeks of Lord of the Rings, the rings of power. We might, we, we literally, we, I think we may have called it. We might've called it. This is TV's next big rivalry. This is massive for this podcast, Dr. O, because huge. August and September is weak. It's very weak from a movie standpoint. Okay. You, we have a potential Disney live action movie coming out second week in August. We have an Idris Elba movie. That's an action that could flop. We have a Sly Stallone movie that could flop most likely. So like we really, that besides that, like that's not really anything happening in August and September this year, the end of September, you have don't worry, darling. Yes. But before like the last week of September, Nothing really after bullet train, uh, July 29th. So 
this is saving like film and TV. This is saving this podcast. Something to talk about. Like, thank you. This rivalry. And again, this rivalry is in like 500 million spent on prime. And then this is the biggest uh, budget for HBO show. So it's the battle of budgets. It's going to be a rivalry we've never seen before. And not, and Netflix is not a part of it, which makes it interesting for the streaming wars. So I have a graphic idea, Ricky flex. I'll just say it on the podcast. Uh, You should do it where it's like a race where it's like a bar, like a, like a, like a bar graph. And it's like, okay, who's got the lead after the episode one, go one for one. Who's got the lead episode two, boom, boom, boom. And we say who we think is a better overall, what has a better overall season. All right. At the end of it, I think that'd be a good idea. If we kind of just had like, it's almost like a space race, but with like television, you know, write that, that, that down. That's good for you. Chat, 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 chat. Um, but I'm excited for it. Uh, I think we got a lot of stills for it. Uh, our boy, Matt Smith, who we just discussed, has seems to have a prominent role here. Risa Fons has a prominent role here. I'm excited to see this guy who looks like Jon Snow. It seems like he's going to be the fan favorite character already. Yes. I don't yes. know who is, what his name is or his character, but it seems like they're just kind of, I, I, I kind of love that they're just like saying, okay, we need a guy with a beard. All right, let's go. <laughs> we need a guy with long, with long. Who looks like Kit Harrington here? You hired. Yeah, throw a million dollars. I also want to talk about Ricky Flex, unless you have something else to add here. I do want to talk about the retirees here. Uh, Bruce Willis, sad. So sad. You hear the stories coming out about his predicament, uh, his health issues, and how he has been trying to make as many movies as possible these last couple of years because he's he's known that this um, illness he has is going to deter him from making films in the future. He's doing a lot of like straight to VOD stuff. Uh, you hear news about him having communication issues, wearing a head uh, earpiece when he's trying to recite uh, lines, uh, constantly forgetting his lines. And then uh, it leads to uh, below average movies uh, and a, in a absolutely uh, astonishing career. Honestly, like Bruce Willis is probably top 10, top five action stars of his generation of all time. So it's kind of sad. that This is how we're seeing the end of his career. Uh, what, are, what are your memories with Bruce Willis? Maybe your favorite roles that he's had. No, like not to make this like a joke because it's not, but favorite like Christmas movie, Die Hard, like unbelievable. One of the best like re- like cable movies to watch always on television. You always watch it. And like he's in the expendables. So it automatically puts him in the top 10 action stars of all time, no matter what. And he's arguably in the best movie, Die Hard. So he kind of also, I will say, he redefined the cop action movie as well. Like you thought of Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry before him. He kind of redefined it. Ooh, more physical. Um, he's wearing like the white beater shirt, barefoot. Uh, the haircut is not like a dirty Harry Clint Eastwood, very brunt physical. Like I said, he's the chirps from sarcastic wisecrack, you know, he kind of redefined the shot. I know, I guess lethal weapon, I guess lethal weapon did it before him, but all in all, like still doesn't put anything like die hardest to me is the greatest. Like, I think the greatest cop movie of all time, just unbelievable. And if you had to do like a top billing, like, like top five, it would be tough. Like there's a clear one. And then I think, yeah, like you want to go clear... through right now? Let's just do a quick Bruce Willis top five. All right. So do it. want to start with one or do you want, because I it's think we obvious. can all say number one's die hard. Yeah. That's clear. Uh, you said it. 
I, th- I don't think anyone's ever understood the assignment better than Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Like, <laughs> that's a good ever. way to put it. Like, like it's, it's like he just there's you can't imagine anyone else playing John McClane. You cannot. He owns that role so much, and that was in an era full of action stars. It seemed like he had something that that character needed. The snarkiness we talked about, his one on ones with Alan Rickman. I, that's number one. Uh, what's your two? So are the, is this the Bruce Willis performances top billing or Bruce Willis movies top billing? Performances. Performances, then I would go, I don't think you'll agree then, I'll go 12 Monkeys too, James Whoa, Clark. whoa, whoa. Like that Turn performance that is better than, that's, that's the second best performance in my opinion. Wow. Um, I, definitely I know not, Brad Pitt kind of steals the show there. Yeah, I was going to say, Brad Pitt, that's kind of his movie. I think that movie is kind of a head trip. This might, might kind of messed up. Sorry, Sounds but uh, I think uh, Bruce Willis play, takes a little bit of a back. He is a star character and he holds that movie down, but it's a little wild for me. It's a little too wild. I know people love that movie. It was once like a, it kind of like perfectly embodies the nineties, you know, for some reason, like Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis in a psychological thriller that no one can really wrap their brain around. That just like screams nineties, like movie to me, you know? So I, I, yeah. I, I have it in the top five. <laughs> let's put it in the top five though. Let's do, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so then what have, would be your number two? Pulp Fiction. I, That's I, I know it's three. So Pulp, like but, him, uh, I mean, iconic lines, you know, who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Right? Like it's one of, it's I, one of my most quoted lines of all time. And having, just, the, having the hero role there, I know he's probably like the number three or four best performance there. Probably that's my, that, that, he's four. He's, he's definitely still, four. He's behind Samuel Jackson. He's behind Travolta. He's behind, behind Uma Thurman. All three. Yeah. But I sure. still think he's great. I still think he's great. So I pulled this. And you could say, you could say other side characters are better than him too, allegedly. Okay. So we got Pulp Fiction. Yo, the wolf, you're right. Uh, we have Pulp Fiction, Die Hard, 12 Monkeys. What's what's another one on your list? Let's see if we match up. Okay, so my number four. He played a superhero. I have some of those. And it got and it also got a sequel because of him. It got a spin-off and then a sequel, mixed sequel slash trilogy. It's gotta be David Dunn Unbreakable with M Night, M Night Shyamalan. It's gotta be in your top five. I think it's number four personally, and I have it above some other ones that people are probably yelling at the their uh, their headbuds right now. But that movie, he's a he's a superhero. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a great subtle superhero movie, you know. And I think it's like it's very small scale. It has a great like one on one with him and Samuel L. Jackson. But you also argue he's so he's. He's usually second fiddle in a lot of these movies other than Die Hard. Like Samuel L. Jackson also murders Unbreakable. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's amazing in that. Good twist. Uh, there are some great action sequences. The silent scene at the end, uh, unbelievable. It seemed like he was perfect casting for that movie as well. So Unbreakable, I had it as my number four. But I actually okay, had something at number three. I can't believe, I, once again, playing second fiddle, but Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense, he was unbelievable. The shock factor of that movie, I get it. And, and Haley Joel Osment, the child performance kind of trumps all. But I don't know. His relationship with the kid, I think it was just, it was like a spellbinding. Like you just like couldn't take your eyes off the screen. You were entranced by it. And you had to see the end of that movie. And then the ending does kind of throw you for a loop. So I have that. And then I have. Wait, before I, you say anything. I wasn't going to say, I was going to actually like tee oh, okay. you up and see if we were going to have the same one. So was that your, first of all, was that like your number six? 
Six cents? Yes, and it's not because of the number. Ah, good, good, good. I'm, I'm so dumb. I didn't even realize that. Just the six, the six cents, just two things real quick. One, Haley Jaw, like, again, we're talking about movies, like, or like whose movie it is. Like, Haley Joe Osmond, you always think of that as the kid movie, like Haley Joe Osmond, like, I see dead people. You know, you don't think of that as Bruce Willis. True. And two, the hair. The hair messes me up, man. <laughs> the hair really messes me up. Bandits, with, like, bandits type hair. Yes, but like, even weirder because he's not wearing Greece, a hat. No, a no, no, no. Bandits was peak weird. That but like he was weird. wearing a scally cap a lot or like a, you know, like he it was covered up. This one, he, his hair, he's never wearing a hat. So it just messes me. Like I, Bruce Willis, like, I don't know. At that time period, it just seemed weird. But uh, no, I'm um, sorry. So I, I had bandits no. at like number 11 <laughs> for favorite roles. Um, I did it in my top 10. You know what I had at six and uh, I didn't have 12 monkeys. Oh, I did have 12 monkeys. What I uh, had at number six is actually Looper. Because mm. I think that's one of his better performances in the past 20 years. And I think that's an unbelievable movie. I think that movie, is, the writing, the writing of that movie is unbelievable. And like Ryan Johnson, you see after watching that movie, if like, if you've seen The Last Jedi and you had not seen Looper beforehand, you're probably questioning why they gave the, the keys to the Star Wars universe temporarily to Ryan Johnson. It's because of his sci-fi epic with Looper. That movie is unbelievable. Seeing that dynamic with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he gets you get the action Bruce Willis, the older Bruce Willis. I'd rather see him in Looper than I would with like Red and Red Two. You know, I just I think uh, he had an interesting dynamic with his character, him facing himself and him his reason for going back in time. You uh, you kind of uh, sympathize with him or empathize with him, I should say, empathize with his character. Uh, and I think JGL, I think, outperformed him a little bit, but JGL just has the weird look the entire time, what they did with his face. I thought that was a bold move, but it gave it that futuristic type of feel. But uh, I had it just outside the top five. This movie is a great movie, but it, it's it falls into the, uh, like, side, like with the effects, with JGL's face. It's like, what's so wrong weird. with this movie? Like, you think something's wrong with it. And also, this premise, you just think, like, it seems cool, but like you look at his face and you, you sit on cable a lot. It's like, oh, this movie must not, not be great. But this is great. And this was a great Bruce Willis Love performance. That. Is it top five worthy? Top six? Top seven? Not for me. But top ten? Yeah. Uh, so anything. So, all right. So, so we're so, down to our fifth, right? Uh, right. Well, we have right now Die Hard, Pulp Fiction, 12 Monkeys, Unbreakable, and Six Cents. That's five. Oh, I, I have something else at number five. Um, can I guess? Yeah. Armageddon? Yeah. This is the biggest movie before Titanic. Iconic. Iconic. Michael, this made Michael Bay's career. Mm -hmm. Like, this movie, when you rewatch it, it's like, crap. Maybe it's not as good as when you first watched it as a kid. No way. But it's like Ben Affleck, Billy Bob Thornton, like, Owen Wilson. This is a blockbuster. This is the quintessential blockbuster. When you think of going to the movies, Appreciate this it. is it. This literally is movie, like movie theater movies. Like this is it. And Michael Bay, again, like made his career on this movie. I just, the great song, original song, just obviously the movie is not the greatest, but I think that this is just a quintessential blockbuster of the nineties before Titanic. And one of the most important blockbusters ever as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. And Bruce Willis is the star of it. 
It really was because you're, you're right. It was like the Avengers before the Avengers, you know, it was like, yes. it had like the Avengers of astronauts. Yeah. It's just like it's not all the, it, it was like, it felt like what, you know what? This is going to sound so weird. It's going to sound so weird, but this is like, if, if this movie doesn't happen, the replacements doesn't happen with Keanu Reeves, you know, <laughs> is that weird to say? Where it's like it's such an ensemble of weirdos with different backgrounds come together to make one team. It just feels like they're in Steve the same. Steve Buscemi. Thing. They're from the same universe, like they're, they're from the same era of like blockbusters, you know. And I know they're totally two different types of movies, but I just get the same vibe from those movies. This cast is a definition of a cast where you like know these guys, but you don't know their names. So like Jason Isaacs, like. He's Malfoy's dad, but like, did you know his name? No, but he's in this movie. Like, you he's have a mass. bunch of those. Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. But like, you just, there's a bunch of those type of guys. Then you have like the Michael Clark Duncan, RIP, like William Feichner, like the guy that was in The Dark Knight, the bank, the bank owner or manager. Like, you have a bunch of those guys. Then you got Bruce Willis, the biggest stars of the 90s, Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Billy Bob Thornton, Liv Tyler, like insane 90s cast. Yeah. And then a huge blockbuster with Michael Bay. So I think here's what we should do. I think we should do honorable mention Armageddon. Oh, not number five. What? I think if anything, we kick out 12 monkeys and make that honorable mention. Wow, man. You really hate on 12 monkeys. You no, I guess. That. No, I had it ranked it. Like, where did I have it? I had it my, at my number. Oh, what did I say? Five or six. I don't even remember. But I Die Hard, Pulp Fiction, Unbreakable, Sixth Sense. I think those are all locked in. I think it's a battle for 12 monkeys and Armageddon. Which one would you say it's a battle for? got to make it a six cents in armageddon six cents what <laughs> dude are you what are you talking about <laughs> i haven't seen the six cents in a while but dude that's the kid with that's Haley joe osmuth man oh my god we have pulp fiction on this list <laughs> i agree but he was awesome right, fine you know what fine honorable mention armageddon fine <laughs> i think that's a smart move fine well honorable mentions the rest Bandits we talked about. Whole nine yards. Decent. Better I like rewatch. That. Matthew Perry. Him and him, Matthew Perry. He's, he, yep. he's great. I, I love him that. Um, yep. Look who's talking. I was going to say, he was a good uh, Mikey voice. Like he's the baby. so good. He's so really good. good. Um, and speaking of another voice actor, which I thought, uh, voice role, that I thought he was really good in, Over the Hedge. Don't do that. <laughs> he's pretty don't good in that. that. I haven't seen that movie, but just don't do it. You haven't seen that? Well, he's pretty good as a voice actor. Um. No, I don't spend my time and, watching Over the Hedge. And then I never really, I never seen Sin City, but I bet a lot of people would get mad at that, not seeing that in the top five. Robert Rodriguez in the checkup this week. Yeah. And then uh, finally, Watch like, it. I thought he was good, but like not, or he was adequate, not his type of role. Um, branching out with Wes Anderson, Moonrise Kingdom. Haven't that seen wasn't it. really. You haven't seen Moonrise Yeah, it's not, it's not like you're missing. I, I, I just heard should. nothing. I heard nothing, but it's like an old person movie. Yeah, these two kids like what think they're the love they love each other, like they're like 12 or 10 or whatever, and they run away. No, I'm saying like it's a like audience, like demographic, like usually like old people watch yeah, yeah, Moonrise yeah. Kingdom. It's not like a 25 year old gonna be like, let's put on Moonrise Kingdom. I don't think like that's what they're gonna say on a Saturday night streaming, you know. Yeah. Um but I, I guess my final thoughts here with Bruce Willis, RIP uh sorry, um Bruce Willis here is that incredibly sad, but and uh like this is like Again, one of the biggest action stars we've ever had. Like, happy that we were able to do a list like this. That was fun. But, yeah, like, this is just, like, that's what Bruce Willis is. All his movies. It's not like, uh, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, Ben Affleck, we just talked about. Like, we want to see him win an Oscar. We want to see him, like, come back or anything. 
Bruce Willis is the class. Like he did his, he did it. Like he did every movie he did it. He was in, he did his job. He did it very well, or he did it amazing. And it doesn't matter how good or bad the movie was. It was entertaining to watch. And he like literally is the quintessential action star, movie star. So like, like that's like literally what you want to go down as. And that's what Bruce Willis is. hundred uh, percent. It's just so sad to hear. Uh, he's been in our lives for so long. And I know another one we haven't brought up is Moonlighting. And that's where he got his like big break. And people love his comedic chops in that movie. And he was one of the few that. action stars who could actually do the action and also provide the snarky comedy. Um, yeah. All right. I mean, he, should be, he should present at the Oscars next year if they can. Yeah, if he can. If he can. Yeah. Uh, so fi- final tally here with the top five. Die Hard number one. Pulp Fiction number two. 12 Monkeys number three. Unbreakable four. Six Sense five. Armageddon honorable mention. <laughs> All right, we got to move on. Uh, that's going to do for the checkup this week. Let's now move on to our trailer roundup featuring Top Gun Maverick. So Top Gun releases May 27th in theaters only after a highly anticipated wait, a two-year wait to watch Tom Cruise, John Hamm, Miles Teller, The Iceman, Val Kilmer, right? Come back or debut, right, for this um, Blockbuster. So Ricky Flex, uh, how, I guess what we should, I, what I kind of want to do here, I guess we should start off with the thermometer predictor. Where do you think this is going to lie on the spectrum here? And then we'll dive into what we saw with the trailer. What do you, what do you, we think is going to get on Rotten Tomatoes? I think this movie might not be critically successful. Doesn't look like it's going to be, in my opinion. I think this would be good in the theater. I think it would look great. I think like these flight scenes look awesome. They look really awesome. Um, it has the movie stars, has Tom Cruise, the king of the blockbuster himself. But as a crit- critical movie, like, I think that this is hit- hitting similar notes to Top Gun, but just in a different element, but still the same notes. Similar to like what um, Point Break did with their remake, like what was in the mountains. It won't be as bad as that because there's actually stars and good actors in this. But again, it has a huge range of actors and the storyline. So I'm going to go... A 66. Dude, Ricky, that's what I had. That's what I had. I, 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 Jesus. I, I literally was thinking 66 the entire time. You nailed it. They're going to hit the same notes. I think, judging by this trailer, they're going to hit the exact notes. We got the beach. We got the beach co-ed scene playing volleyball. We got the iconic bar scene. It looks like it's going to be a one-for-one Right, you got the in-air dynamics. You got the same music. It's going to be a fun time at the theater. It's going to be amazing visual effects, enough that it's probably going to get Oscars consideration in that category by the sound this time too. next year. The sound's going to be great. I just think uh, it's going to be playing almost like the exact notes. People are going to criticize its originality, but there's a reason why they're making this movie. People have like a an affection for Top Gun. They're going to go out to the theater in droves. Like, I literally was thinking 66 the entire time. God damn it, Ricky Flex. <laughs> I guess just to hit on a couple other notes here, though, like, we were thinking Val Kilmer, obviously, like, sad, what's going on with him? I don't want to harp on too many sad things going on, but what, like, how is he going to be incorporated in this movie? Because it doesn't seem like he was going to be health wise able to 
actually be in it. What do they do? Oh, to him, put him on the wall, say Iceman recommended you. Love to see that. So that was nice. I feel John Ham. Wait, wait, wait. Val oh, Kilmer. Sorry. I feel bad that he is like alive to see that and he's dead in Top Gun. Like he's gonna watch this movie and see his character. He's dead. Oh. I mean, do you think he's you think he's gonna be in a flashback scene or something? So I, I do remember him working out to be in Top Gun. He did, but I just don't think his health recovered in time. Maybe it would be a cameo. Maybe they may, maybe at the end uh they'll bring him in like after like Maverick does something awesome or Miles Taylor. Oh, it's another thing, Miles Taylor. We find out like why he has the mustache. He's Goose's son. Yes, good. That was yeah. ba- that was big. And uh, you were gonna bring up John Hamm. I'm sorry I interrupted you. It just that's what I popped up in my mind. No, no, like the stash makes sense with Miles Tower. That makes sense. So uh, I don't know, acting wise, you can't really determine much out of this, but not looking great, but not looking bad either. Um, but yeah, John Hamm could have predicted this role. Like after seeing uh, Soderbergh, the movie that we watched, no, Sudden Moved, could have predicted this cop or leader or uh, like, you know, the guy that's like the, I don't know, determines Tom Cruise's fate. Like you totally could have predicted Something that you're not going to be really likable, but he is John Hamm, so you got to watch the screen. I wish he did more. Like I want him to get out and be like the lead or main supporting guy in a movie. That's like a big movie where he's like the Kevin Bacon in this movie. <laughs> yeah, like I want I want to see him put on his charm and be that guy, and he's just not doing that right now in any of the movies he's doing. He's a minor supporting character in every single movie. The Kevin Bacon, like you said, let's see him take that next step. We're not seeing it in this movie disappointing to see yeah um and see i i want to touch upon the fact that you think the acting is going to be a little over the top i think it's going to like everyone's going to be going for it in this movie you know yeah like miles teller you can see him like getting all fired up like oh my god you and tom cruise's face they're gonna be going for it in this movie and i can't wait to see it the whole the whole top gun the first movie is all about like over dramatization uh it felt like you're watching a soap opera at times and uh, I think we're, they're going for a similar vibe here and they don't care. That's what the fans want to see. And uh, they want to see some great visual effects and they want to see Tom Cruise be, uh, be Maverick again, you know? So I, I am looking forward to it and uh, I can't wait for that review. It's going to be electric city. We should have, we should think about uh, guests for that uh, episode. Maybe, uh, maybe Steve-O. Yeah. Maybe an 80s throwback, but I have another thing I have to mention here. So, not to bring it into the finance world here, but the two-year tenure uh, yield curve inverted this week uh, multiple times. But you just broke my brain, video- dude. I'm a teacher. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Skip past that. But <laughs> I saw a YouTube video because there's a classic scene in this movie where Tom Cruise, you've lost that love and feeling. To uh, and the next time she he sees her is he's she's her teach his teacher right. And he's telling her like how like he inverted on this plane. So I saw like a clip and then like a clip like saying that and then like a huge crowd going, oh, like just roasted him, roasted her. So I was like, crap. So I rewatched Top Gun. Nice. I rewatched it. And it was by far my favorite watch ever of Top Gun. It is the quintessential 80s and how like so over the top with like the 80s like references and things like that and the shots and slow-mos and like everything but and like also some things just didn't make sense but at the end of the day that movie is a banger that movie is even more of a banger than i thought and the music still great but 
Tom Cruise. This is like Tom Cruise, like his not coming out party, but like this confirms to me this man was on the path for multiple Oscars. And for him not to have one is crazy. I don't want to get way off track here, but Top Gun, I give it an 85 out of 100 on upon my rewatch. You got to rewatch that. It's on Netflix. I, I will. What a movie. You were holding back. And when I asked you what you watched this weekend and you were, you wanted to say Top Gun so bad. But, uh, Inverted. Yeah. So I think um, that at that point, Tom Cruise is arguably maybe the biggest movie star on the planet. That's what he, made of it. Like the he is jeans like, and the, he's ripped. He's like what Tom Holland is right now is what like Tom Cruise was. You know, that's what I'm thinking of. You know, that young guy or even like not like a Leo because Leo wouldn't do like Top Gun. You know, I'm thinking about like young action star. Yeah, that becomes into this great actor. Tom Holland isn't there yet. But in terms of notoriety, fame, you know, popularity, I kind of see the similarities there. Uh, Yeah, I I can't wait. I will rewatch it and I will get back to you. In terms of that bar scene, what do you think is the song they're going to play? This new version. I'm thinking Miley Cyrus wrecking ball. <laughs> uh, Party in the USA would be a good one. Oh, it's gonna, go. <laughs> it's gotta be a, like a ballad. You think it's gonna be a ballad? It's gotta I gotta be know. a ballad. Then I think it might be even. Hmm. Maybe it's a throwback. Gotta, 80s throwback. It's gotta be a throwback. Um, because the ooh, first one child, lost that love and feeling. That one. It's like a '60s one, right? Like uh, the original. Uh, you, you lost that love and feeling. The Righteous Brothers. Right. That's gotta be '50s or six '50s probably. So they probably are going back to unbelievable the unbelievable song, 80s ballad. Song. What if they did "Take My Breath Away" as the bar song? Too slow. It's Footloose. You do Footloose. Miles Teller was in the remake of Footloose. Oh man, it'll happen. Start dancing. <laughs> but like no, that. no, but square dancing again. Like this movie. Like they have like like the Hangman. What a terrible nickname uh, for a air like a a pilot like that guy billy glenn powell the billy magnuson like this seemed like a role that billy magnuson should have played he should have been he should have been that guy but he looks like he's not get, he looks like he's just gonna be annoying not the val kilmer like presence kind of disappointed it just seems like a knockoff val kilmer um yeah i hope it's gonna be good i hope it's better than a 66 but it just doesn't seem like it but it seems like it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch in the Bill, theaters, Billy Magnuson should have been like that the Iceman of this movie. Yeah. He would have been perfect. It would be good casting. Um, but that's gonna do it for the trailer roundup this week. Okay, both Ricky Flicks and I are given the sixty-six percent on the on the thermometer predictor. With that being said, let's now move on to our recap of Marvel, Marvel's new series, its debut for Oscar Isaac's Moon Knight. All right, Ricky Flicks, we had Moon Knight episode one drop last Wednesday. New episodes will drop weekly on Wednesday. After this episode, we are going to drop uh, episode recaps on Thursday, right, for the, all the listeners. So we won't have it on the regular podcast. We'll make sure to give you our thoughts immediately after seeing the episode. But Ricky Flicks, going into the show, there's a lot of hype to it. Uh, you got a major star like Oscar Isaac. you got a major villain being played by Academy Award nominee Ethan Hawke. So... What were your expectations going in? What do you know about the character? And then we'll get into if they uh, fulfilled them or not. I thought this was a great pilot episode for super for a television series in general, let alone a superhero movie uh, series. I thought it brought you the intrigue. It gave you like what's going on, but then again, you're like, what the hell is going on, right? And I think a part of that, like an example would be like the violence. 
it didn't show Moon Knight really towards until the end, right? And it didn't show him fighting anyone really. It just showed like the aftermath of the fighting and how brutal it is, how this mercenary just absolutely destroys people, not just kills, but destroys people brutally. And it just like, oh my God, I, it, it gives you that like anticipation, like you want to see it, right? And it gives you that. That's a great thing for a pilot episode. That is awesome. I do will say though, it is a little too confusing for a pilot episode, in my opinion. I do think it kind of bounces you around too much where people like, not like me and you, people that won't watch it because it's a superhero Marvel project or it's because, or they'll watch it because it's Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke. But people that are like, oh, I'm just looking for something to watch, something to watch that's trendy. Moon Knight, I bet people turned it off. And I think that this series would have been better if they released like the first three episodes right away. And the reason I say three is because like apparently in episode four, things go off the rails, according to this director and Oscar Isaac. So that's why I say three, maybe only two was should have been, but they should have done more than one to kind of like give you like reassurance that no, we have everything together here um, just for those type of audiences. And I, especially after the first scene with Ethan Hawke and how weird that was, I loved it. Love seeing that cultish vibe right away, but maybe some people were turned off, especially it's on Disney plus. So all in all, I thought it was a great start, great pilot episode. I wish they gave a couple more, not just because I want to see more episodes, but because I think it would have been better for an audience perspective. And I'm like, this is by far and away, like already the best, mm, the best Disney plus Marvel show episode yet. I think. I would say highest quality. Yeah. Highest quality for sure. Um, I will I say. say, I agree with you. I give you a huge double thumbs up if you're not watching the YouTube. Once you said it was a great first episode, a great pilot. I felt like if they, let, let's say they only had to make one episode of this and you had to sell it, right, to a network. Like this one, obviously it's with Disney Plus. You know, it's going to get six episodes, limited series, Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, it's going to sell. Let's say you didn't have the big name actors here. So, and like, let's say Oscar Isaac was a no-name, still had this great performance. Ethan Hawke was a no-name, still had the great performance or was a lesser known actor. This episode, if I was a studio, I'd be buying the next five episodes immediately because of that intrigue that it builds. Um, I did have some, um, uh, I did find some things that I did not like, but I'll go into that in a, se- in a little bit. But I think not revealing him as Moon Knight until the end was so genius. It spent the whole episode working on getting to know this one personality that is uh, Stephen Graham, right? This guy who works at a museum shop, uh, this one who suffers from uh, uh, DID, right? So multiple personalities that he uh, sometimes doesn't know who he is and at what time. Uh, it provides plenty of intrigue and it provides plenty of like episode two, you got to imagine they're going to explore Mark as his next personality. But the question is, does it even stop there? Cause I have theories that there's going to be even more than two personalities uh, with yeah. Moon Knight in this show. So I thought having that brutal violence, like at the end of it, I felt like, okay, that's what we started to see in the trailers. Maybe that's what Kevin Feige was promising us that this was going to be leading into a little bit more, edge to it it's going to be a little harder than these previous disney plus shows a little less of a family affair so uh in terms of i mean i want to talk about the connectivity to the mcu because i feel like this is the first show we've seen 
out of this universe. Okay. We've had what four or five Disney plus shows. Now this is the one mm-hmm. that you feel like you didn't need to know anything about the Marvel cinematic universe. It could just hop in. You couldn't really do that with Hawkeye, obviously with the connectivity he has back to 2012's Avengers. You couldn't do it with Anthony Mackie and um, Sebastian Stan and Falcon, the winter soldier the list goes on Wanda vision, all that stuff here. It's a fresh start with a new hero. Someone we don't have a relationship with We're not leaning on any connectivity to another character. So how did you think it did, I guess, drawing in fans that maybe aren't a part of the MCU and getting them to um, kind of jump on this MCU train? Like, what do you think about the connectivity? This is what the MCU needed. This is the first project the MCU has that didn't mention the blip or didn't mention the MCU. Okay. This is what they needed. They, they needed Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. Probably two guys that probably never watched Infinity War Endgame. Two guys that probably have no idea what's going on in the uh, Marvel Cinemat- Cinematic Universe and just have them do their thing. They're the best actors or two of some of the best actors that have ever graced the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just let them cook. And this was fresh. This You didn't have to watch anything else prior prep work or anything. You just go into it blind. And guess what? What did I just say earlier? This is the best quality episode that Disney Plus has ever produced out of an MCU show. And it's that's the reason really core, like core reason, like, like maybe back in your mind reason, the reason why. And I think it's so essential for Marvel to keep doing this rather than relying on the blip, relying on phase four of the MCU. And you talk about the talent that's being attracted to this project. And I think the selling point for Oscar Isaac or Ethan Hawke to join this is that it doesn't rely upon the rest of the MCU. They're not signed on to future uh, movies in the MCU, future project. I think that Oscar Isaac looked at this role as something he was literally passionate about something that he would sink his teeth into and what a juicy role for an actor of his caliber someone that has suffers from did multiple identities disorder and he's able to play he can go from a british accent mid-sentence into mark specter right it's a serious american tone right so it's like the fact he's going back and forth and then you have another juicy villain with arthur harrow ethan hawk I mean, we look at Leo taking on a Jim Jones role, like people like these great actors are always attracted to these cultish leader type of roles because they're usually such eccentric personalities that can become someone different on screen. And when you don't have to worry about, I mean, like Ethan Hawke, he's not putting on a huge costume, at least up until this point, you know, he's just doing his thing and he's eating it up. I thought he was amazing in this first episode. Talk about building intrigue as well, but like his line delivery, I think is so on point. The I, I sense I sense chaos in you. It's gonna be such a, such a like iconic line. I think like when it comes to like Marvel villains, like saying that to Oscar Isaac, a frightened Oscar Isaac in that moment. I can't wait to see their eventual showdown and to see maybe a reveal of who like Ethan Hawke is going to become because I don't think we see him past this season. Yeah, I think, but I think you hit all like the right things. Like you get the best actors, kind of like what we call them artsy fartsy. How do you get them to do this? You say, hey, there's besides this season, we're not promising you another season. Just do your thing here. We're not going to make it dress up all the time or we're going to do a character study on you. Like how many times did we hear Oscar Isaac on his press tour about this, say character study that the Marvel hasn't seen except really with Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. But this is deeper. No crap. It's a multi-person 
personalities, right? Like these are cult leader, multi-personalities. These type of roles are like Oscar bait roles, right? But this is in a TV show, streaming service. Like this is how you're going to get that quality. People that want to be challenged, this is how you do it. And this is what we want to see too. And now we're seeing it mixed in with Marvel, which is very interesting and so far so good. One episode in out of six. Um, I do think the Marvel elements here were the things that I didn't like about the episode. Like the cringy things, you know, like uh, when he's talking to the statue or calls with his mom, those like the references to Avatar, like oh, those yeah. are the things I, I didn't I think like. That was bad. And, but like I'm saying, like I'm nitpicking here, but those are the things I didn't like in the episode. And those are all like definitely not the director doing that, not Oscar Isaac, but those are definitely like Kevin Feige and his pupils or descendants or whatever you want to call them, disciples, like basically fiddling with the script saying, oh, mention this because it's funny and you know, help our audience here. Kids, kids will that's, recognize it. Right. So that's definitely what's going on there. And those are the things I don't like personally, but I'm just nitpicking. This was a great first episode. I cannot to do a separate pod every week about this series. First time I've ever said that about Disney plus I originally said that about WandaVision, but for me, that was a letdown. This. And we, we had the Loki, the Loki finale. We had, Oh the wait, Loki. Oh, that was crap. spectacular. Um, I love crap, that show. About Loki. It, it, this is like, I mean, Loki had some spectacular episodes. Like, yeah, I'm, not gonna I'm, take I'm away from that show. Um, sorry. I, that's a hand up. I was thinking <laughs> all the, I was thinking like Hawkeye, Falcon and WandaVision. I totally forgot about Loki. That was an amazing series. And I, I, uh, we talk about like like parts of the show maybe we didn't enjoy as much. I guess I know they did they did a great job building intrigue into this character. The character development I thought was spectacular. Getting to know Steven throughout this episode, I think it was like a great building block for the next episodes. But like seeing him like not kick anyone's ass was like kind of painful. Like it's just seeing so many times where it's great acting when he gets into the character, but then they like, is he turning into moon Knight when he's beating those guys up or is he just becoming Mark and beating them up? If he's not turning into the suit every time, I would love to see like Mark taking those guys on and see him transform in that moment. Right. Still in the Oscar Isaac form. If you know what I'm saying, right. He's not wearing the costume. Yeah. So show, show him doing it, not necessarily a CGI costume. Right. Doing it. Still save, like you can still save maybe Moon Knight. Maybe he needs to be Moon Knight, like to change into that person, right? That that assassin, you know. So uh, I would have liked to see that. I also thought tonally, I, I didn't love like the wham, the wake me up before you go go. I felt really Marvel to felt me. A little forced, Marvelish. Yeah. It felt like you were trying to make the tone still acceptable for like younger people younger audiences yes. and not as like dark hard and edge because who is moon knight constantly um compared to when it comes to the comic books it's batman and what they did with um stephen graham and mark specter is they actually made a crucial change here to differentiate it from uh bruce wayne and instead of uh the stephen character being in a sense like a billionaire like in the comic books they made him the, the gift shop um uh, the gift shop worker, you know, at a museum. So I think that was an important distinction that it made. So trying to separate it from Batman, I think that's why you also have the wake me up for your go-go scene. It's like, that will never show up in a Batman movie, right? They, I, don't even think Mike, I don't even think Joel Schumacher would have ever made that move. But I just, <laughs> I, I just think that that's what they did. I understand why they did it, but I didn't like it. Just make it hard-edged and uh, keep on with the character development. We did, you did mention that song choice, like 
I completely agree with you. That's Marvel tw- uh, putting their fingers on it. But there was one song here that I haven't heard in so long that is such a banger that made me go back to my oldies playlist on Spotify right after the episode and listen to it for hours. And it's A Man Without Love. The song every time, like every time I wake up. Oh, like, yeah. That song is awesome. That's a great, and, great commercial song. Yes. Like, <laughs> that song is awesome, though. Like, come on. Like that gave me like the you've lost that love and feeling vibes. Like I literally listened to you've lost that love and feeling after this episode and a bunch of other oldies right after this episode. That song got me in that mood. Bob Dylan. You want to see it. Yeah, Bob Dylan. Intro scene with Arthur Harrow. With, yeah. Uh, him stepping awesome. onto that broken glass in the Mandals. I'm just telling you, like the, those two songs were awesome and worked very well. And you know, they worked very well when you got me listening to an oldies playlist, you know, like right after the you. episode. They got so you. like very well executed. And like, I love, I did like that. Yeah. Um, I guess like where I wanted to also talk about, we talked about the performances. I did want to talk about Oscar Isaacs. Uh, it seems like at a point of conversation, his accent, in this show, I think he might be overdoing it a tiny bit. It's dropping that in it like a great amount, and it's uh, the bruv like it's a little, it's a little excessive, but uh, I think it's fine. And I and I, and I think I think it's because he's how hard is his job going from multiple identities here, like in like mid scene, like that's gonna be to. such a crucial. Like it's 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 hard to nail the accent, let alone do it when you're trying to split between two, maybe even three personalities. So when you're good do- when you're doing that, when you're splitting between multiple accents, multiple personalities, things like that, you have to have differentiators. If you're playing multiple people, you have to have differentiators, and not just with accents, but with like your, the way you're speaking and your indicators, your leading indicators of how you speak, because everyone has those. So you need to have different indicators for different people, and that's what he's doing, not just with his accent, because maybe sometimes people can't recognize the accent. So those are like the indicators of oh, he's English, doing the bruv and like other English commonalities that you hear. Is he overdoing it? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think we've seen way worse, like accents are way more overdoing it in our time that honestly, I, I was completely fine with it. Was his voice a little annoying at times? Sure. But those were like in the times when he's talking to like the statue or his mom over the phone, quote mom. Yeah. You have know. no idea. Never responds. You don't know who so, he's talking to at that point. Right. Maybe he's talking. Identities to- mixing it, mixing so, up each other or something. I want to speaking of theories and speaking of the accent, I do think that we talk about a big reveal in like the fourth episode uh, that the director is kind of leaning or like hinting at. Uh, I can't, I don't know the director's name off the top of my head. I don't know if you have Muhammad uh, something. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm, I'm going to butcher it. What else? Okay. Is podcast well, um, he hinted at something major is going to happen in episode four. I think there's going to be a third personality revealed between Mark Diab. and Steven. Diab. 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 Yep. Might be Diab, but I think. Why do I think that? It's because earlier, uh, early in the episode, there is a moment where Steven's working at the gift shop, and a woman comes up to him that's very attractive, and says that he asked her out on a date, and he doesn't recall. And when he's talking to that woman, he has his English accent on. We know the only other identity we know at that time is Mark, and he has an American accent. So this person, if they talked to Steven, they would have immediately addressed the fact that he has an English accent now and how weird that is after meeting Mark, which makes you think there's another identity of Moon Knight that is also English, right? But it's a confident, like almost like a snarky, 
and also like one that is a brash type of character. And I think that might be the Mr. Knight character that we see wearing a suit and like fixing his tie in the posters, you know? Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that theory? It's correct. Um, I think it's very correct because how else are we going to see this Mr. Knight character in the suit? I thought the same thing, except I think there could be another personality, but it's only six episodes. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I think there is another personality and it's like, like Mr. Knight character in the suit it's still in a mask. Like you can't ask out anybody. So I do think that like in a suit and a Moon Knight suit. So I do think there is another one. I just don't know what that would be. Or, or my other theory would be that there's still only two, but each one has an iteration of themselves. So like, like uh, what am I trying to say? Like there's pieces the of suit, arc that will be in Steven. Yes, exactly. And vice versa. And he could like black out and like have that iteration of like Steven when he's still Mark or Mark when he's still Steven. So like, for example, when he asked out that girl, he's obviously Steven, but an iteration of Mark took hold of him. And like, so, that's why he blacked out. So he still could only have two personalities. They can coexist at times. Exactly. I see what you're saying. Rakeem so Flex. I think I, I did think what you were thinking, but at the end of the day, it's only six episodes. It'd be tough to have three to four multiple personalities so maybe just stick with two and just have them coexisting interesting um, and, by, and by the end of this like they did it by accident multiple times like such as with asking that girl out on a date but then by the end it's like they have control of the coexisting they have like a relationship that they build by the end of the season where it's like oh that's like the point of the season like a big theme of the season is them coexisting with each other right I don't think that, I don't know if they'll, yeah, I guess, I guess that's actually a good take, Ricky. I like that, especially the six episode aspect. How many personalities are they really going to try and introduce? Uh, I can't wait till they have like that him episode where he wears the suit though. I think that's going to be an electric factory. And then Oscar, Oscar Isaac's going to absolutely eat up that, that scene. If he has it, maybe even for a full episode. Right. Um, and, but, and you mentioned who's going to be the cameo in episode four or the big reveal. And you think it's Mr. Knight. I have other ideas, but I want to hear yours first. Well, I think there's two obvious th thoughts here. You got Blade and Kit, Kit Blade, Marshall Ali, or Kit Harrington. Like, are, I think, are, am I wrong here? It I, could be the introduction of Blade. Can you bet, Ricky? Like, this is just outside of superheroes. If we have a, like an episode with Ethan Hawke, oh, don't do this, Oscar Isaac, and Mahershala Ali, like just taking center stage, and that's the big reveal for Blade leading into his own movie. And I think oh there have been rumors of who Ethan Hawke is playing in this show. And it's the name Dracula that keeps popping up. Right. Who is a vampire hunter within exactly. the MCU? Blade. So I think if we have Blade for the back half, almost like how Mandalorian shows up in like Boba Fett, we could have something going on similar, but he won't steal the spotlight fully because I think Moon Knight is going to win the hearts of a lot of MCU fans, to be honest. And Oscar Isaac is so damn likable. I watched Triple Frontier uh, last night, and he was – talk about like an like, – so what a bro movie, by the way. Like, watch that with your boys. Just like, put on Triple Frontier. Ben Affleck, Hunnam. Yeah. It, it's just it, it, Pascal, speaking of Mandalorian, like Garrett Hedlund. You know? Garrett Hedlund. It's just such like a bro-out movie. And he is the one that stands <laughs> out like – for the entire cast. Like everyone kind of mails it in except for Oscar Isaac there. And he, he is, even though he's like 
kind of doing the group in throughout that entire movie, along with Ben Affleck, especially, but Oscar Isaac just maintained likability so much throughout that movie. And even like Lewin Davis, you're rooting for him, even though he's a jerk. Like he is deep down. He's a jerk. But um, I just think I, I can't wait to see more of him in the show. That's all I'm going to say there. Uh, any other predictions you have going on to the future of Moon Knight? This Layla character. On the phone. The, 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 on the phone. The I, on the burner. So is it possibly like we didn't get a lot of information about this girl in the gift shop. Maybe it's iteration. Like maybe, hmm, like maybe like there's a reason why, like somehow they're connected. Why didn't we get more information about? She'll the be date? back. She's way too good looking too. Like there's there's no there's no way they're just gonna. Maybe like she's for one Layla. Scene. Maybe she's Layla, and she's like, a, I'm not I'm not gonna say like a spy or anything like that, but like keeping tabs low, on him. or keeping tabs on him, right? Exactly. Something like that, maybe, or I don't know, like the Layla character. But why would she be calling a thousand, a thirty, or for like months every day? I'm not sure, but this Layla character is suspicious. For, you're assuming it's like a former lover or something like that. It sounds but like again, a sister, by the way that like they converse. You know, right. it seems like they do yeah, have a title definitely not, not the mom. Can't be the mom, even though he's always calling the mom, right? But this is too young of a voice to like be like a mom to Oscar Isaac, right? So probably not mom. I just that's something that so like, I'm questions. keeping my eye on here, and I think that again, I like how there's so many questions, but then again, to the like for us as Marvel viewers fans great for the normal audience member maybe not great maybe should have had multiple episodes to start to binge get you really like locked in uh sold on this show and then going forward like be really sold going to the second half of the season yeah the unpredictability i think is definitely gonna like be help, like great for us as marvel fans you know not mm-hmm. knowing and not and just not like first of all not knowing too much about this character this character not having a very long comic book history other than the fact we know it's a rip off of batman you know, so it's like seeing what they're going to do, what kind of interesting creative decisions are going to make, who's going to make an appearance. This is the kind of stuff Marvel fans want right out of this series and uh, Oscar Rice, Ethan Hawke, electric duo. Uh, that's going to do it for our recap of the first episode of Moon Knight. Uh, make sure that you're tuning in to the pod and on the YouTube for our Thursday recap of Wednesday's episode, episode two of Moon Knight. That's going to do it for episode 84 of the drive-in podcast make sure that you subscribe and follow our podcast wherever you listen make sure that you're following us on social media instagram uh twitter tiktok at the drive-in pod subscribe to the youtube clips coming out every week episodes also available every week uh next week we have our review of michael bay his new film ambulance starring jake gyllenhaal and yaya abdul mateen the second dropping april 8th make sure you check it out before we listen to our review we'll go spoiler free and spoiler through the review that's going to do it for episode 84 until next time we will smell you